Pleasure to be here tonight. Thank y'all for having me. I just 
kept running after it. I just kept getting farther away. Running down these mountain tracks, you know. Finally, I kind of just stopped and I was looking at it. And I looked back at the track platform. And all these people were waving, keep going, keep going. And I thought, there's no point, man. So I did, I just kept running. Every so often, you know, your life just comes crashing down all around you. Parents say sometimes the Lord breaks your back to bend your knees. And I was broken into prayer. I said, all right, you got me. If you stop that train, I'll do exactly whatever you want. I cut a deal. Right as those words left my lips, I heard the brakes of that train stop. And I felt frontward laughing. I couldn't believe it. It took me like three or four minutes to catch up to that thing, and I was huffing and puffing, and I was so out of breath. The conductor had had enough time to walk from the front of that train to the back steps, and he was standing there hanging off the side. I came running up. <laughs> I was trying to say thank you, but I couldn't get the words out. And he said, you know, I've been driving this train for 20 years, and I can never stop this train for anybody. Get on I was walking down the aisles of that train, everybody was turned backwards to see who had caused all this commotion on this locomotion. And it was dawned on me that, uh, oh yeah, I don't have a ticket. <laughs> the conductor was waiting for me to sit in my seat, you know? I'm like, oh my god, I don't have a ticket. And just as I came to the last possible seat that I supposedly should be maybe sitting in, the conductor, I could almost feel his hand reaching out to grab me to ask me, like, hey, what's going on here? I opened up the doors to the viewing cart, saw all the people I've been sitting with, and I said, You guys, it was me! And they said, It was you? It's here! I got off at the Embarcadero in San Francisco, on the end, Judah, behind Safeway in the lower Haight. You could say, you know, I hadn't really calculated plan for this because I had lost my sister's address. My plan was I was going to build a treehouse in Golden Gate Park somewhere and live in that. You know, it made sense to me at the time. But I was going to stay the first night with my sister. You know. All I could remember was that she had three digits in the, her address. And the last two ended in sixes. So I had something to go on. I turned the corner, you know, walking up to find Steiner. This couple walked past me. And they were holding hands and they were kissing and all snuggled up. And as we passed under a streetlight, kind of made eye contact, you know. And we kept walking. And I hear that girl say, She said, Hey, are you a McCrory? I turned around and I said, Yeah. She said, You look just like your sister Tanya. I said, You know my sister Tanya? So yeah, I'm her downstairs neighbor. <laughs> I said, that's great, because uh, I'm going to visit her right now. What's her address again? She said, 399 Steiner. <laughs> finally, I was living in these squats on Baker Beach, and they finally politely kicked me out of those, and I moved over to this cliff. 
myself a little cave, you know, I got this tarp, this big long type from the construction site, and made it rainproof, and I was living there for a while, and I saved up enough money to buy a plane ticket to go to Europe. Now it's not the train station, I mean, it's not the airport, right? This Dutch company was selling cheap tickets to Holland. It was called Martin Air. I thought that was a sign. And I bought myself a chain link wallet so I wouldn't lose my money. I got on the plane. The little on-ramp was right there by the nose section. They were showing this movie about a boy genius who played music. It was called Shine. And I really wanted to see that movie, so I pulled out my wallet to buy the headphones right before we were leaving. I realized my wallet wasn't in my pocket. I left it at the metal detector. So I ran up to the stewardess and I said, Stewardess, listen, you know, I left my wallet at the metal detector. She said, Well, you can't go back now. We're closing the doors. And I said, Well, what does the pilot think? And so she turned to look at the pilot and I ran right past her. <laughs> she came chasing after me and I ran up to the metal detector. I said, Listen, you guys, listen, did you guys find a wallet? Because I, I, I lost my wallet here. I said, No, we didn't see no wallet. The stewardess said, What are you doing? You can't wait. You can't just leave and go to Europe without any money. Why you call your parents and go home? I looked out the window at that plane and had my name on it. I turned to the security guards and said, Put your hands up, you're getting frisked. <laughs> they let me do it and they're like, You don't have your wallet, man. So I arrived in Amsterdam with nothing. I walked away from the airport. I started hitching and I finally made it to this campsite. And I would take the train every day, sneak on that thing too, into town. I had my acoustic guitar with me, so I was like, alright boy, let's do it. We're gonna busk. And I had a nylon string guitar, and it wasn't very loud, and so nobody was giving me any money. I was like, this is not gonna work, man. What are you gonna do? I saw these statues, this guy's dressed in white. They had crowds of people around him, taking pictures, giving them money. I said, that is a load of money, man. I can't. I'm not doing nothing. Here I am singing my heart out. So I just had a frustration. I picked my guitar up and raised it over my head like I was going to smash it or something, you know? Pretty soon, everybody started gathering around, taking pictures, giving me money. I said, this is my work. So I would bring us a big stack of hay into town every day, and I would stuff myself full of hay and be a scarecrow, you know, I'd put my ring around my mouth like one of those little hobo statues, you know what I'm talking about, those little, kind of looking like clown things, look like that kind of, except I was full of hay. <laughs> I did that all across Europe as I was traveling and made enough money and then went back to Ireland to see my family. And I was staying with my auntie, my auntie, she was getting a little tired of having me around, she said, you need to get a job and you need to get back on the road, you know, you've been here long enough. So she was dating this foreman from Scotland. He was called in to finish up a job on this oil tanker in the shipyards. And he pretty much wanted to do anything my auntie asked him, so... He got me a job because I was the youngest person working in these docks with these hard construction workers, yeah? Down in the Belfast shipyard. See, the thing is, to get a job at the one of these shipyards, you kind of have to know the right people, and kind of have to be on the right side of a religion. Your name could signify who you are, where you're from, and my parents had left Ireland in the 70s to avoid all that kind of trouble. So when they asked me my name, I did what the guy in front of me did. They asked him his name, he said, my name is Doc. I could tell he was making it up on the spot. 
said, what you mean, boy? And I said, uh, my name is Hobo. They wrote that on my hard hat, and I went to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in the Belfast shipyard with all these hardened construction workers. They were building the biggest oil tanker that they had ever built. It's called the Shehalion. It wasn't until years later I found out that the word Shehalion meant the hill of the fairies. It was the same place they built the Titanic. I don't know what they, that says about Irish ingenuity, but they paid me pretty good. I'd be walking around the ship and I'd be singing to myself all the time. And my crew, they found out that I was singing a songwriter, you know? And so they say, Oh, well, come here, sing us a song, would you? They'd give me a broom and take my heart hat off and they'd throw some coins in there and I'd sing in my songs that I was writing. Down in the Belfast shipyard. The word spread around the ship that I was, you know, writing these songs. And so I wrote a song about working in the shipyard. One day in the break room, he said, all right, boys, quiet down. Hobo, get up there, sing us a song. So all these guys, man, he's like, I quieted down, and I remember taking off my hard hat, and I stood up, and I sang him this song. At the crack of dawn, I'll be swiping my car, for the days are long and the 12 hours hard. But you rise up the lift and you carry out your shift down in the Belfast shipyard. And Gary, the foreman, is carrying the floor plans. He instructs you in the day's construction. You balance across steel rails with your teeth full of loose nails And you're laying down planks with a hammer And the men that you work with got kids and a wife Working hard for a living their whole life With muscles like rocks from hustling these docks And their skin, it is worn and weathered They're whistling tunes all afternoon down in the Belfast shipyard And you make no mistake when it comes to your break And you file in line down the stairs With newspaper pornography Pinned up on the walls And you stay in the break room Till the white heart act calls You got 15 minutes And you stretch it to 20 And then it's back to work for the gentry Industrial hard nose They go where the work goes But the island of Ireland's their home And you work in the wind And you work in the rain Down in the Belfast shipyard And you're thinking about women who've passed your way And you're thinking about people who've passed away And you're thinking about drinking at the end of the day At a pub in the fog on the bay <laughs> yeah!